This is a Cherish podcast, and I'm your host, Michael Boudreau. I'll be taking you for an inside look behind the glamorous facade of the interior design industry. At a time when every aspect of the business, from sourcing to trends to marketing to dealing with clients, is undergoing rapid change. This episode is sponsored by The Tile Shop, your go-to premier destination for quality tile, natural stone, and luxury vinyl flooring. How do you keep a historic brand from ending up on the dust heap of history? It's wonderful to have a brand name that resonates with history and provokes immediate recognition, but how do you make the past speak to the present and benefit the bottom line? How do you use the prestige and creativity of the past in ways that remain relevant to a new generation that barely remembers an era before smartphones, never mind the French Belle Epoque or England's Industrial Revolution? As we all know, many once-storied home brands are either defunct or are mere shadows of their former selves. I'm happy to have with me today representatives of two famed firms that have managed to remain vital and influential and are even expanding into new arenas. During the second half of the 19th century, William Morris was a well-known British artist, writer, architectural conservationist, printer, textile designer, and social activist who was closely associated with the arts and crafts movement and its pre-Raphaelite painters. It is hard to overemphasize his importance, though today he is probably best known for his hundreds of intricate designs for wallpapers and fabrics based on natural motifs. He created these for his own firm, Morrison Company, and many of his patterns remain bestsellers to this day. The fabled firm is now owned by the Sanderson Design Group. To talk about how she's moving the brand forward, we have with us Jessica Clayworth, the lead designer of Morrison Company. Welcome, Jessica. Hi, Michael. Thank you so much for having me. The French textile firm Braquinet dates back to 1823, and it has a long and distinguished history in producing cottons, silks, and handmade rugs that extends from the opulence of France's Second Empire through the fashion for Toiles de Jouy, the rage for Japonisme, and the ubiquitous undulating curves of Art de Nouveau and the geometric razzmatazz of Art Deco. The firm, with its astounding archives, was acquired in 1991 by Pierre Frey, itself a storied house that was founded in 1935. Today, the firm is run by Patrick Frey, son of founder Pierre, who oversees its design and production of fabrics, wallpapers, and now furniture with his three sons, Pierre, Vincent, and Mathieu. I'm pleased to have Patrick here to discuss his innovative ideas for Braquinet as the brand celebrates its bicentennial. Hello, Patrick. Hello. Jessica, I want to start with you. William Morris was an amazing person, and anyone who doesn't know much about him or thinks he only was a designer needs to look him up, at least on Wikipedia, because he was a hugely influential person during that moment in the Industrial Revolution when Britain was undergoing so many changes. So... Jessica, first tell me how you ended up in this position. And did you feel when you started like this was a huge weight on your shoulders? To, you have to maintain the authority and, and, you know, the prominence of William Morris. How did that feel for you? Yeah, so I, from graduation, I always said I wanted to work for Sanderson or Morris & Co. It was always a heritage brand. It, that led me to, I worked in India for three years. And after working on Morris & Co. out there for a while, I really started to resonate with the style. and. 
I've been in the company now for four and a half years, previously working on Sanderson and in the recent year, um, taken on the Morris & Co brand. And it's, yes, to answer your question, it was a huge wait at first. The amount of Morris fans are insane. There's so many lovers out there. And they'll be quick to correct you on any facts that yes, you get I'm wrong. Yes, I'm sure. <laughs> You've got parameters there, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And obviously, I'm I'm a designer. I'm not a historian. But I do tap into, obviously, parts of that history to be able to do my job. So, yeah, that it was very fun taking on the big okay. Morris fans. Well, we're going to get into some of the new endeavors in a minute. Patrick, I want to ask you about Brackine and why Pierre Frey wanted to have the company? Because I know you have other storied brands. You have Illuminash and other older firms. Why did, why Brackine? And what did you feel that was about, that was part of the brand and its, its history and its archives that you felt were pertinent to today? Uh, it's a, in fact, it's a family story because when I was a kid, my dad was always telling me, and after that, when I worked with him, he was always telling me, you know, Patrick, the best collection on the planet is Brackine. Look, when I was bringing some new designs or documents, the answer was always, okay, okay, it's nice, but it's not breaking here. <laughs> so that was so the gold standard. Day, when you're 20, 25, 30, one day I said, well, look, uh, I had the idea one day to say, why don't I have a, a great dad? Why don't I try to buy breaking here? And just, uh, and, uh, and the answer, I called them, and the answer was, uh, it is in the same family uh, since 1823, uh, we're not for sale. Mm-hmm. I said, okay. And, and I wrote to them for Christmas during 10 years. Every Christmas. Every year I you was, would reach out to them. Fantastic. Every year. And one day, and one day, it became possible. And one day, I had the possibility to acquire Bracanier. And uh, it was just uh, four months before my dad uh, died. Don't I mean it was a? It, it was a. It's it's really a great story. Yeah, I was going to say that must have been like culmination of a dream for him in a way. If Brockenay, absolutely, yeah, absolutely, yeah. Now that's fantastic. The, the archives, it's twenty twenty thousand uh, wonderful documents. It's amazing. I mean, I had the privilege of seeing some of the. Pierre Frey archives, including Brackine, because you have them in your showroom in Paris. I mean, I know you have other stuff in storage, but it's like, it's amazing the history of both of these brands. But, you know, history can also be overwhelming. So, Jessica, as you said, you're a designer, you're not a historian. So how did you think about what you wanted to do to push William Morris, not offending its rabid fans, of course. I know, like, for example, I know that you teamed up with the wonderful British designer, Ben Pentreath. And how did that come about? So that was a really easy collaboration. The Ben Pentreath collaboration was such, it was a no-brainer. We were approached by Ben and his... So he approached you? Yes. um, He's a fan, He's a massive fan. He uses Morris all the time in his interiors. And one thing he said to me, which really resonated, is when he's creating an interior he loves to use Morris because it looks like something that's been treasured and he likes to focus his his interior around those treasured pieces that look like they've been there for a while and he was like you can use Morris in that way also using more modern ways obviously with our new colorations and that was really lovely to hear that being his focus so his design aesthetics he really it was really true to the Morris brand how he designs how he thinks 
so it, it was a perfect, it just made sense for us and create making these partnerships a long standing because we've done a second collection with Ben. So it just keeps building Because the first one was that, a success. Yes, right? a huge success. So did he select the patterns he wanted to do? Did you consult together? And how many patterns did he recolor? I think he did, gosh, you're testing my memory now, <laughs> probably about eight to 10 patterns. But yeah, he selected his favorites. But he came into our archive and sort of dusted the cobwebs off of a couple that we hadn't seen or recolored in a while. So ones like Seaweed, for example, and Severn, these were all like, they really like spoke to him and were ones that he wanted to champion himself. Great, great. Now, Patrick, in terms of Brachine, it's such an old school brand, but I mean, a lot of this stuff translates today. And I think we have seen, certainly in the last 15 years, there's been, among younger designers, there's been a resurgence of interest in decorative patterns and the kind of things that Brachine is so famous for. But how did you go about deciding how you were going to work with it with Pierre Frey? Did you go through and see what they were producing at the moment and say, we want, we want to edit this out, we want to add this in? How did it, it go? How did it work? Just because it's fun before, before we talk about that, when I was uh, young, a few years ago, I worked for Sanderson. And I was in charge of, but I was 20 years old. And uh, I was at the factory. So it's more than a decade ago, right, Patrick? Uh, William Morris all the time. Look, I know the collection and I saw the archives quite a, a long time ago, but it's fun. It's beautiful, by the way. It's divine. To go back to Braconnier, I think if, if I can see that in a few minutes, why, why is it unique? Because that question, it's because in fact, Braconnier was created by a man, a German man called Oberkampf. Mr. Oberkampf was in Germany. And when the queen came, the young queen, Marie Antoinette, came to Versailles because she married the young King Louis XVI, he, he very quickly understood that he had to move. And he moved his factory from east of France to a little village called Jouy. And Jouy was between Paris and Versailles. And like that, it was very easy for the young queen, she was 20, to just come to Jouy and choose what she wanted because she loved toiles. Because in Austria, their way of living was much more simple than Versailles. Donc she loved all these cotton toiles and linen toiles, and she wanted to use them. Donc that's why the, this very bright printer very quickly, he asked the best designers and creators and uh, to work for him and design what we call Indian in France, Indian toiles and then, and then toiles. Donc the collection became very unique because the collection was mainly printed for the queen, for the young queen. And that's why it was always different from what we could call the classic or even English toiles, because they were very, very delicate and very selective. Donc now we had the chance to buy, as we said, this, this collection. And I think it's classic, but it's not classic depending the way you use it. As you said, and I think if you use Braconnier has always been used in the red and blues with the charming classic colors. But if you today, you blow the design up a little bit, or if you change the ground, or if you change the colors, and if you look turquoise and greens and browns and blues, suddenly, suddenly the designs become very modern depending with what you're, you're using it. 
And I think it's not at all, um, but I think it is exactly the same for William Morris. It's depending how the designers are using it. Our business as fabric editors is to give them the tools to help them to do what they want to do in different homes all over the world. And naturally, it was classic, but a beautiful design can be used everywhere. I really believe in that. Are you a designer who's passionate about bringing beautiful spaces to life? If so, you can't miss out on the Tile Shop's thoughtfully curated assortment of tile, natural stone, and luxury vinyl flooring. With an endless array of timeless designs that cater to every style and taste, it's easier than ever to set the foundation for homes that inspire. Plus, the Tile Shop offers exclusive benefits for pros like you through their trade program. To learn more and explore their full product assortment, visit tileshop.com. That's T-I-L-E-S-H-O-P.com. Well, it's so interesting that both of you have mentioned the colors, like changing the colors will make a classic pattern more modern. So, and that, I guess, is proof that there are fashions and colors as well. I mean, we've done episodes on the podcast about color trends and, and that how color becomes color of the year and all that kind of stuff. So, Jessica, do you find that designers are coming to you and saying, oh, I wish this were like in rosier tones, or I wish this was in a brownish color? Or is it just something that you have to be ahead of the, the demands for color changes? We like to think we're ahead, but obviously you've always got that feedback, which is great. And we've obviously, Morris is a hit in so many different territories. So we obviously have, the American market is huge for us. So we have that feedback of the colorations that work for you guys. So there's fresh blues on whites, chocolates coming back for the US apparently. And so, yeah, we do take snippets, but we we are quite forward thinking in what we do. So our Simply collection, for example, that was completely different than something that Morris had never done before. That's taken the colors completely fresher on white grounds and appealing to that Scandinavian and American market more so than the UK. They're crisper. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Crisper and fresher, like the fresh maximalism. That's what we're calling it. And Patrick, does does Pierre Frey have designers who work just on Brachine or do your designers, you know, like... Absolutely no, absolutely not. We are, I, I like to say, like in a big kitchen, you have a chef, and the chef can do uh, fish, meat, or cakes. And I think Braconnier, it would be dangerous to have a team dedicated to Braconnier. And I love to have around me the people who can do, uh, I don't know what, an abstract design or a kid design and Braconnier. Because I think it's a way of life. It's a way of understanding what's around us today. And naturally, as you say, the world is not what it was uh, 200 years ago or 100 years ago, but just the colors change because we changed. And because the nature perhaps is more important than before, the homes are totally different and people love today. I think a very important point, we have nothing to do with fashion because in fashion, it's what we call fashion. It's a season, it's two seasons, it's three seasons. In our jobs, it's what I call tendencies. It's a, it's in the long term. When you redesign your bedroom or your living room, you know you're going to live with it for a few years, minimum a few years. 
Donc, you have to find the colors that people will be uh, reacting positively to this new way of, of life. And everything is changing. And I think we have, we try to be ahead of that and try to give them a new way of using a classic design with a very, very modern piece of furniture right. or carpets. Right. So in other words, as they were saying so in corporate speak, there are no silos at Pierre Frey. Everybody is around and learns from each other. Works no, I think there's always a chef in the kitchen. And uh, I think you need... I really believe nearly the opposite. It's a little bit pretentious, but I think in a in a company like us, there's only one guy who decides what has to be done. Well, After right. that, you have a very good team around you. But if you want to give to your company what I call a soul, you need to have only one person in charge who's going to choose what has to be done. And after that, the whole team works in the same direction. If you do carpet, fabrics, or wallpapers, it is the same. If you don't have that, you don't. I mean, it's difficult to have a strong personality. For me, that's my my, my conception of uh, of this business. And uh, when I decided to do the 200th birthday of uh, Braconnier, we gave certain direction of what we wanted to do. And after that, when you have selected what you want to do, it's quite easy as long as you. You stay on your tracks. Right. And now, one of the things that's been interesting to me is both of you are sort of taking the brands, Braconet and William Morris, into different materials. Something that's like, Jessica, I know that William Morris is, Morris and Company and Sanderson are doing a partnership, a collaboration with the tile shop. Now, how did that come about? I mean, to make ceramic tiles or yeah. So like you mentioned in your uh, your introduction about Morrison Co, he did many things, not just wallpaper right. and fabric. So right. it was it made sense for us to approach a tile company and the tile shop, the look that they have is so true to the Morrison Co aesthetic that that was like the key link. And to take his designs back to the tiles is amazing to still be able to do that now even though we're not a tile company, we can partnership with people like the tile shop. So how extensive is that? Are there how many designs are you and, and when will they be available on the market? I'm curious. So they're available now. Oh, okay. Um there's the two designs. So there's the ceiling design, which is one of five ceiling wallpapers that Morrison Co. created. So when the tile shop looked at our archive, it was pretty evident that th- those were the ones we were gonna focus on. And the ceiling sort of it takes the natural design language of a tile. It's got the, the perfect shape, it's really subtle. They focused on our pure collection because that was something that was quite neutral, stripped back and really good for their market, really commercial. We, The pure collection is sort of about Morris's uh, journey through Iceland and the Nordics. So we kind of discovered these letters and used that as the, the focus for the collection and the colorations. So it was really nice that the tile shop picked up on that, loved that story and ran with it. And to sort of coordinate with the ceiling we have the hawkdale tile which is the subway tile which is amazing to coordinate with it's in our morris colors and it's something that you can use together with that uh, ceiling tile as well so patrick i want to ask you in terms of you know braconet is such a renowned brand and it, designers value it so much but i know you're pushing it ahead in certain ways too i, I saw something and i don't have the details but 
that you're actually going to do Brachinia tableware. Is that correct? That's correct. I don't know how you know that, but yes, that's correct. But not my. Oh, well, it's my job to know <laughs> these things. So tell me about that. How is that? How did that happen? What's what's the status? No, if you oh, if you want, for me, Brachinier is a style because it's a document for sure because it's 18th century French. But the this printer overcomes. And the queen, they had a certain way of living and they loved certain things. And the idea was really to keep this way of thinking. Look, in this collection, you have prints, you have embroideries, you have jacquards, you have carpets, you have wallpapers, you have a lot of things that you can mix together because in a room, you need to mix different things. You're not going to put prints everywhere or wallpapers everywhere. And I thought that in the same way, it would be gorgeous to have a tableware. And I went to the Bernardo family. Uh, I know them well. And I said, would you accept to do a silverware that we would design? And it would call the Brackenier uh, service. And where all the plates would be different and all the, everything would be different because when you have dinner with friends, I think it's fun if the people on your left and the people on your right don't have the same plate. If they have the same plate, it's a little bit boring. If each one of them, first of all, you can talk to them and it helps. And second, it's beautiful to have that on your table. Donc, Bernardo accepted and they're just launching it now. And every year, each year, we will have some new designs adding to the same service to do like a big patchwork. It's interesting that it's Bernadotte. I mean, A, they have amazing quality, but they're a company that's known for collaborating with contemporary artists. Like usually they have one, two or three artists. So I think it's so interesting that they were open to working with, you know, an 18th century brand. Was there resistance with that or was they just like, oh my God, this is a great idea? They were surprised, we would say, at the beginning. Okay. And, uh, okay. and they said, why not? And uh, it's fun because you see, it's exactly what, what you want us to say. It gave to this Brackenier collection a modern touch. Suddenly it becomes easier. Suddenly you can match your curtains and if you want your curtains or your cushions or your sofa with your tableware. And I think it's, it's, it's great. Even if it's not coordinated, because it would be uh, too easy, the way that they fit together and that the same colors are used and they found the same flower here and the same leaves over there or the same borders, it gives to the room more character. Right. So it's interesting to me, I mean, both of you, your brands are able at the moment to take advantage of there's huge interest. I mean, I think that, you know, there's a growing interest, certainly in the United States, Jessica, with British arts and crafts and their designers and that kind of look and country houses. And just as Patrick, in terms of Brachinet, there's also been a huge resurgence in the U.S. of more decorative, bellish wallpapers, more prints used together. But, you know, that wasn't always the case 20 years ago, 25 years ago, you know, things were, it was a different style. So is it's Something that you think about, like, I mean, obviously you want to capitalize on this moment. Is it something that you think about, well, maybe 10 years from now, there's not going to be quite as much prominence to this arts and crafts, lodge kind of style that is so prevalent? Is that something that worries you or how do you adjust? First of all, I want to do it. Because I think, and I want to say that, I'm sorry, I don't want to be long, but I think Braconnier, I don't own it. I own it financially, but I don't own it on the long term. I'm a transmitter. 
The Brighton New Collection will be, I hope, with us in 50 years and in 100 years. And it was already a fabric company 100, 100 years ago. So my job is really to try to, to give an evolution to Braconnier and to show that in the 18th century, 19th century, 20th century, and now 21st century, you can use it in our way of life. And that it will be, even for a woman of 30 years old or, or a young couple, it will be up to date and not passé or démodé or old-fashioned. That it's still trendy depending the way you use it. Right. And also, let's face it, bicentennials don't come along all that often. So if you didn't celebrate it <laughs> now, it would be a huge missed opportunity. Jessica, how about you in terms of what you think about for William Morris? Because, I mean, I, the danger of having such esteemed brands is that you can push things too far and you can dilute. I, I mean, I have used like William Morris wrapping paper for gifts. I mean, I love it. But, you know, are you going to do paper cocktail napkins? I don't know. You know, how do you, do you think about how far to Sanderson? Is that part of the culture where they think about how, how far you can go without cheapening a brand? Yeah, no, definitely. It's always in our, our mind. And hence why we, the people we choose to work with, they sing the same, off the same um, hymn sheet kind of thing. And Patrick summed it up quite nicely. was saying that it's, it's how you use it. So I know Morris is very decorative, highly decorative, but there's a lot that you can do with the techniques, the embroideries, the wovens, the colorations that can all really like strip it back. And as long as you have that offering, you have that archival offering that's for those classic lovers, but you also have that modern contemporary um, offering as well, which is going to cover the broad scale of the market. Right. Now, I don't want, I'm not going to ask you to give away any corporate secrets, but are there <laughs> other endeavors that you have seen down the line that you're going to take Morris a little further? How, how do you think about that? Yeah, there definitely is. I can give you a little um, insight, a little sneak peek into uh, Please we're, do. <laughs> we're launching an outdoor collection. So the first outdoor collection Fantastic. Um, for Morris & Co. So that's, an, again, I know there's a lot of outdoor fabrics um, out there, but it's quite new for us. Um, and Morris is inspired by the outdoors. So why not take of it back course. outside? Um, you can imagine how painful it was selecting birds. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there were so many options you had to, yeah, to work with. Everything has a leaf. So right, right, <laughs> like, right. the possibilities right. were endless. Right. Um, but yeah, no, we've definitely got some really exciting plans coming up for Morris. And Terrific. we're constantly learning. We're discovering new stories about Morris. We're discovering new archives, um, building up new relationships. And they always help build upon our portfolio. So that's, it's really exciting. If, even after all this time, we're still learning um, about more. And do you think you would ever bring in another outside designer a la Ben Pentreath to like take a look at, at the collection and reinterpret it? Yeah, well, we have, we have those great relationships. So never say never. It's open to possibilities, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay. absolutely. And Patrick, I don't see Brockinet doing outdoor fabric. I mean, I think, but maybe I'm wrong. But in terms of sustaining and keeping, to me, Braconet is like Hermes in a way. You know, it's like a storied brand that you know the level of quality is always supreme. And So and, and, how far can you push that? I totally agree. I think you, you will never see outdoor at Braconnier. You will see outdoor at Pierre Frey, but never. On. Of course. I, well, you have that option, right? <laughs> because I think right. you have to respect the style 
of this and of this brand. What I want to say also is that I don't like the fact that when you sit, you, you say you cannot recognize easily a braconnier. And I prefer the second step where we people say, oh, what a beautiful, beautiful document. And people are saying, yes, it's a braconnier. It's a guarantee of good taste. It's a little bit pretentious, but of, of, uh, of quality and beautiful design because it was made for the queen 200 years ago. Don't the selection of the design are nice. And the second thing I want to say is that the big thing with Braconnier, you have everything like a good recipe. You have little stripes, big stripes, little design, big designs. Uh, and you can make a total room, a total set with the Braconnier fabrics and it will not look Braconnier. You will know it's Braconnier because you know the brand. And I think yeah, you compare us very nicely to Hermes. That's what I love with Hermes. You know it's going to be nice because it's a nice product. But if you don't see the H, you're not going to see that it's Hermes. Certain brands, they put their name uh, on the bag as big as they can. It's not the same story. And I think the, I think the, the, the Braconnier is exactly the same. The more discreet you are, the more people love it because it's a kind, it's a kind of privacy collection. And the idea for us is not to do it as a, as a bestseller or as a big company. We keep it at, as a little jewel in the Pierre Ranch. I think Braconnier, it's a, it has to keep this, uh, late 18th century simplicity where it's printed on cotton. You will never see a Braconnier silk or you will never see, uh, it's not a sophisticated brand. It's for a beautiful chateau in the country. It's for a beautiful house with beautiful furniture. Well, but that's sophisticated. It's just a different well, kind it's of It's sophisticated, sophisticated and I, right. I want to keep it small. Right. And the way it is, and the way it is, and not to accept to do any outdoor or flame retardant or, or shears or things that would be commercial. The idea of Braconnier, naturally, if we sell it, we're very, very, very happy. But the idea is not to be commercial. The idea is to do something, I say like something unique, because the documents are unique, and, uh, and to keep it like that as much as we can and to engrave the design in the best way, printed by hand. Uh, we work for Versailles, we work for Fontainebleau. Now we're doing one design now for the, for, for the nurse uh, bedroom, for the queen nurse bedroom in Versailles, and it has to be perfect. If it's not perfect, Versailles don't want it, because they want it perfect. So our job is to keep that, and I think that's what I love, and that's why it's known for that. Uh, and, and I think I find my job is to keep it the way it is, to find new design, to add new things, to bring new colors, to change the cloth. You talk about the cloth because people today love linen or they love, uh, different things. So we can move it a little bit, but not too much because if we move it too much, it will not be bargaining. Right. And I think that's a challenge. Yeah. You put that beautifully, Patrick. That's a challenge for bargaining, but it's also, I, would think Jessica a challenge for Morrison Company. Oh, same thing. Same thing for yeah. them. Yes, so, you know exactly. So, so in a way, I mean, you've been given this huge opportunity, but it, it's an opportunity that comes with certain restraints. So, do you ever chafe at those restraints, Jessica? Yes, a little bit, obviously. <laughs> but Morris 
a, part, a, a quote that he has, it, not a quote, but something he loved is one, he wanted his work to be available to everyone. He didn't want it to be out of reach. He was a man of the people. He definitely he was. He was a man of the people, yeah. So we kind of try and stick by that. We try to offer that. It is approachable by many uh, different people. Like I said, you read his, even his Wikipedia page and you just think, oh my God, how could one person do all of this stuff? Of course, it was before we all were addicted to Instagram and streaming TV shows, but he is an incredibly impressive person. And his idea that, I mean, we, we talk about design, we're talking high-end design here, but he did want his patterns and his, his materials to be available to everybody. And he wanted to simplify people's lives. You know, he was a socialist in that sense. So it's very exciting. But I could see, and like you were saying, Patrick, certain things are never going to be braquinet. You just have to accept that. But and my last question, I just want to ask each of you, why do you think, and well, Patrick, why don't we start with you? Why do you think the brand, because as, as I mentioned earlier, there are so many brands that don't last. And there can be any number of reasons for that, bad business management, or the style is just so specific that it doesn't resonate with contemporary. But why do you feel that Brachine has managed to last this long? I mean, obviously, it has a great story. Everybody loves Marie Antoinette. There's a, a series about her now, and it's running in the U.S. on PBS. It was a BBC production. People are constantly... But, you know, people don't automatically think Brachine, Marie Antoinette. So what is it about the brand that you think allowed it to sustain itself, and you think we'll move it forward? I think that's, first of all, the big word is creation. And I love to say creation, creation, creation. The brand, the marketing, the commercials, the staff, the showrooms, internet, everything you want to add is a plus. But if the design is not excellent, not good, excellent, if the colors are not perfect, it will never be a bestseller. I think that if we believe in creation, our jobs in all our companies is to try to do the best of what we can do, even if people don't understand exactly why they feel it's different and they will see the product and the color and the design. Naturally, if you tell them after that it's William Morris or it's Frey or it's Braconnier, it helps. But they're never in our jobs going to buy our products because it's a brand. They're going to buy because of products, because they will love the product and they will dream about the product. And one day, even if it's too expensive, they will come back and they said, I wait for two years, but I convince uh, my husband or my wife or, and now I have the money and I want 15 yards of this one because that's the one I'm dreaming of. As long as it is like that. I think we can go on. If one day the brand is more important than the product. Yes. I, I That would be a problem. And I can see what you're saying. I mean, in the design, it's the visual first. You know, you see it, you like it. Visual and hand and hand. And the story is sort of the backup to that. You know, that Brackenay has a great story. Absolutely, because you, you can convince people that behind the design, right. there's a complete story. You call it marketing or you call it history or whatever you want. But the product first has to be like a jewelry, like a, a beautiful furniture. Right. Right. So, Jessica, I'm sure you would agree with what Patrick was just saying. So, my guess the question is, by 
pushing the brand ahead. Like, have you ever had designers come in and they've seen, you know, you be, Ben Pendry, for example, or the, the tile shop. This is an opportunity to market something. But I'm sure that people have come in and say, oh, I didn't know Morris also did this, or I didn't know this pattern as well. So it all helps to keep things relevant, which is what you, I think people are looking for relevant, but they also want the authenticity. They want to know Exactly. Yeah, I think the story with Morris is probably more important, I'd say, because people want that link to the story, the craftsmanship, the authenticity, like you said, they sort of strive off having that element right. in their homes. So for both of you, both of your brands, Brackine and William Morris, I guess it's like opportunity slash challenge. It's like, how do you keep it going? And you guys are managing to do brilliantly. Now, Patrick, as you said, you have a great team. And Jessica, I know you have a team and Sanderson is behind it and the historic thing. But, you know, on a day-to-day basis, you guys have some weight on your shoulders. And I think it's so admirable what you're doing and how you're keeping these brands, both of which I think are entrancing and incredibly beautiful, in the people's eyes. So they, Because, you know, the other thing is people forget, you know. How do you keep, remind them that, oh, I hadn't thought about William Morris in a while, or, oh, Brackeen, I forgot about these beautiful prints that, you know, Marie Antoinette loved. And, you know, if I can interrupt you one second, Mm -hmm. I think our job also is to be as English as we can when your name is William Morris and as French as you can when it's Brackeen, because it is our other view. And when you go to London or elsewhere in England, automatically you're going to find a hotel or a place with a William Morris product because it's so British. And when you go to uh, Braconnier, it is so French. And I think that's what people love. And in America, it will be something different. So American or so Italian. And I think that our world is smaller and smaller and smaller. But our job is to keep these roots for each of our country because that's what people love. That's what people yeah. love. And again, authenticity. Absolutely. I mean, you are, yeah, yeah. So I want to thank my wonderful guests, Patrick Frey and Jessica Clayworth. Thank you, Michael. Thank you very much, Michael. And please thank you all for listening to the Cherish Podcast. You've been listening to the Cherish Podcast, brought to you, of course, by Cherish, which was recently voted by the readers of USA Today as the best place to shop online for furniture and home decor. If you enjoyed this episode, please tell a friend or colleague. Or better yet, go to Apple Podcasts and leave us a review. We appreciate your help in spreading the word. And we would love your ideas for future episodes. Please email us at podcast at cherish.com. The Cherish Podcast is produced by Britta Muller and engineered by Hanger Studios in New York. Until next time.